0: Guys, we're gonna. Uh, never mind that one.
1: I'm Jay Geronimi. I just launched a new YouTube channel called Wrong Plays, where I recently took all the McDonaldland characters, put them in the GameCube game WWE Day of Reckoning, and wrote some theme songs for them. I also make music as All Hollow's Evil, allhollow's The new EP is The Grifted Age. It's very good. It's pay what you want. I know no one has any money right now. You can also listen to it on just about every streaming service. So I'd love it if you listen to it. Uh, once again, I'm Jay signing off. Thank you.
2: Do I look like I'm laughing? There ain't no joy in my eyes. No Sun in my sky But I ain't looking for a place to die Cause I got war on my mind And I got nothing but time And the only God's feeling tonight ain't mine Cause I ain't laughing I ain't crying Cause this is war And I ain't dying Hot blooded Cold-hearted You started. Working fans podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two.
0: Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at Fans Working, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast. Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love And bring you guys in as fans. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back again for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. It's me, AJ. I'm here to shoot straight. And we've got fan extraordinaire, Dave. What's up, Dave?
1: Woo! (laughs) What's causing all this?
0: What a fun week of wrestling we've got going on so far this week, Dave.
1: Man, I miss having fans. I miss the
0: old days, but I'm learning to adjust. We should just create an app that has fan noise. Fan noise.
1: I mean, it, it definitely helps the AEW shows for me, just having people outside.
0: They've been making noise, too. Those, they yeah.
1: are. It, it, really, it really helps with the ambiance of the show. And I think you can look at two great performers like last week, like Hager and Mox who I think it just was a miss and you can look at this show where they had you know wrestlers outside the ring making noise creating an atmosphere and having a guy like Chris Jericho on color has been such a gem too.
0: Well I think it's also helped having heel and face fans also ha- yeah. having having them out there and actually interacting has added some of the st- to some of the storylines.
1: Right. I don't know, like, when they do tapings again, if that'll be able to go, but as long as they can get away with it, I'm all for it. You know, I don't know how, how conscious that is, but whatever. I'm all for it. If they're all for it, we're fine.
0: Man. Absolutely. So so, what do you want to start with this week?
1: Well, I was about AEW, but let's start with NXT. I haven't been on... I, I briefly checked out some websites this morning, but what's going on with Finn Bauer, man? Did you hear anything? Because he was missing.
0: I have not heard anything from Finn Bauer so far. Yeah. That is a very weird storyline. I don't know if they're playing up that he's just disappeared, or he got attacked. Maybe the guys in the Bronco took him.
1: (laughs) Uh, I had that written down this week, so... (laughs) Because that's something we hadn't really discussed, because it's been like a little quick thing, and they've been like taking... Random people. I want to say
0: it was like Raul, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, well, well, they've pretty much taken unsuccessful people so far. Last night, last night was the first time they tried to grab somebody who won a match.
1: And it didn't work out for them.
0: <laughs> Apparently they're better off going after the jobbers.
1: Right, right, right. You know, Fantasma was like, nah, son. I ain't <laughs> getting there with you. Uh, yeah, he roughed
0: them up pretty easily.
1: <laughs> he did have a problem. He reversed everything. They had a sneak attack. He still was like, nah, we are you doing this?
0: <laughs> Good for him. In, um, in fairness, with him being actually from Mexico, he's probably seen kidnappings before and has had to fight them off. Before I
1: forget, because there's two things I want to discuss that I know I'm not going to forget. The Johnny Wrestling Candice LeRae dinner, where it was almost like this like psycho kind of horror thing almost happening right like they would be talking normal and then you could see like almost this psychosis coming into each of their characters well
0: I think the important thing there and to realize how important wrestling is to them is that they're having their dinner with (laughs) the cup on the table, under a glass, like it's a trophy.
1: Yes, yes, it was very romantic, you know, I admire them.
0: <laughs> you don't see that enough. I loved it, I thought it was great. Me too, I'm glad that they're doing something with these guys together. I think they're gonna have great chemistry, being that they're a real relationship, they're happy, and they actually both love wrestling. I liked Candace's look better, too.
1: That yeah, was different, I wasn't sure, it was like a little darker, it was, you know, like okay.
0: They got rid of the wholesome blonde hair, and gave her, like, a silverish color with a little red or purplish color in there, it looked like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Now, there's a story I'm thinking about. I, I want to, there's a couple places I want to jump. I'll, I'll start to the main event, though. They do the storyline where uh, it's, basically, they set up earlier tonight. It's going to be Keith Lee and Dream
0: versus Cole and Roddy. Roddy was there.
1: Uh, was O'Reilly there at all? Or was he missing, too?
0: No, O'Reilly was not there. It I was, was Bobby Fish. It was Yeah, Yeah, it was Bobby Fish and the other two members of the, where am I going with this, the Undisputed Undisputed Era. Era. Yes.
1: So, okay, so now Keith Lee is in there teaming up with the Velveteen Dream, and basically... uh, Well, he's
0: taken out by Damian Priest and a nightstick. Yeah,
1: thank you. Hit in the throat a couple times. He's selling. And then Dexter Loomis comes to help him?
0: Well, first of all, let's not glaze over the tribute to Nails. It's good that they're finally forgiving Nails and doing a little tribute to him.
1: Who's who's the tribute to
0: Nails? Is that Desto Lewis or... No, no, the nightstick to the throat. That's how he attacked the boss man years ago.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I did not make that correlation, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you
0: know, it's important to remember the legends in our industry.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Dexter Loomis being brought into this, especially with there being no actual connection other than last week, him just showing up and having to be like, watching what was going on
1: right and so i think that this could be an interesting storyline where i think he's going to be a heel still like i I have this feeling that like he's just trying to get closer to velveteen dream and he's going to take him out when he's going for the title
0: well now in fairness how is velveteen dream not a heel
1: I don't know about this week, but yeah, in weeks past, I mean, when he was supposedly a babyface and he was wearing Roddy's wife and kids on his tights, which was a classic Rick Rude thing, and Rick Rude is not a babyface at that time.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Almost nothing that the dream does is actually something that classic babyfaces would do. Yeah, and it's funny because if you had the annex treat... NXT crowd, they're a little
1: partial towards them. You might get away and not realize what's going on, but when there's no audience
0: there, it's like, now nah, this guy's a deal. What's well, going now, on? well now, now, here's the funny thing Dexter Loomis, I think it's the opposite. I think it's easier to make him the face in this situation because I don't know if an NXT audience, with the way he's acting creepy, would go completely with the face thing.
1: No, I don't think I think they would crap all over him, honestly. Yeah, I don't think he would
0: get the uh... Yeah. So so I think it's a good opportunity for the crowd to get used to him and to realize, hey, okay, this this is the creepy uncle who we like, but nobody else right. might understand right. <laughs> <laughs> before he gets in front of the crowd. To me, the big thing of the night was I just
1: want to know, what do you think? Drake Maverick work or shoot? I'm thinking it's a work now but I mean we'll see what happens or or he's legit going and they're actually just playing this up and they have his blessing and they're trying to make the most of it well he's the
0: only person I know who is released who has at least three future matches right right and and they're playing it up. They
1: played this video from Instagram. And they're playing it in the storyline.
0: I think the whole thing, including the video from Instagram, is a work. <laughs> of course it'll work. What about a second mark? <laughs> it's work. I think it, it's either a work from Instagram or they saw what he did on Instagram. And they're like, well, fuck, we can't find it." Well, work. here's why I think the Instagram is a work. Okay. Because even though it was posted he still had these matches already scheduled.
1: Well, he did say in the Instagram post, he, he thanked him for letting him still wrestle and compete in there.
0: And that's my point behind it is, nobody else who was released still has matches. You know, but here's the thing: <laughs> when they first
1: announced it, like, I wasn't surprised, because I'm like, Vince isn't paying attention to the cruiserweight tournament going on in XT. but, you know, and then I saw the Instagram video, and I'm like, hmm, no, nah, I don't think he would be involved in something like that.
0: Dave, but, to, to quote, I'm going to quote a wise man here, and I'm going to tell you, it's all a work.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I'm agreeing, I'm waiting for the <laughs> work, to work, I'm just, you know, when did the work start is, I guess, the question. They
0: started working us from the day of the cuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... We're gonna find out at some point, I guess. I mean, yeah. So, what, where does it go? Does he lose all three of his matches? But then they feel bad and they give him a job anyway because he's so competitive.
0: That's exactly yeah. what they're gonna do, and then they're gonna rehire him to try to gain sympathy from the WWE NXT audience, which is all of a sudden gonna make them look like the good guys for uh, rehiring this sad person. <laughs>
1: I will say this, it makes it a little more interesting as matches, and we'll see where we go from this. Who do you see winning this tournament right now, out of the field?
0: It's either going to be Kushida, in my opinion, or uh, Phantasmo.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think those are your two, definitely. If I have a
0: dark horse, watch out for No Longer Gentleman Jack.
1: I liked his performance last night, even though he lost. I thought he did great. Yeah.
0: Um, here's another thing I want to mention from last night on NXT. Now, I had not watched backstage beforehand, Uh so I didn't know anything that they had talked about the night before. So, watching TV, and I actually got up to get a drink, and I'm thinking to myself as I got up to get a drink... I haven't seen Mia Yim. I'd really love to see you know Mia Yim going forward, and I would yeah. love to see her versus Charlotte Flair. And the reason really? I was thinking that was because I had just seen the Io Shirai package, and I was right, right. and I was like I would love to see Mia Yim versus Charlotte Flair. So I get up and I go and I get a drink from the kitchen. I come back and I'm watching it. And next thing out is Mia Yim. And they're like, Oh yeah, last night on backstage, Charlotte Flair was talking about and Beth Phoenix were talking about how much they would love to see Mia Yim versus Charlotte Flair and then Charlotte Flair laid out a challenge for her and I'm like oh god damn a nice backhanded way to do it too like thank you for
1: making me a star now all these years later I hope to make you one as well you're a good little hand
0: <laughs> now she did a great job with being the heel on that Charlotte and obviously yeah. doing the back but I thought that Mia Yim also did a great job with her facial expressions as she's getting the, the backhanded compliment the uh, wait a minute what and then turning it to that evil little smirk of, all right, well, we'll see who makes who a star. You know, we're taping this after uh, last night. This will probably air uh, Thursday. Um, yeah, we're uh, always a week behind. Always a week behind. So we'll see what's going on next week. I don't know. I, they changed Killer Cross's name, too. That was one other thing I noticed. I didn't well, they just added him. a first name to it.
1: It's like, yeah, Killian, Killer Cross or something like
0: that. Uh, I think it's Kidane or Kidane. I'd have to listen to it again. Cadium? Maybe something like that.
1: We're going at this Raw, folks, so...
0: Well, they added a name to Killer Cross, and they, they, they took away to a name him. from Scarlett Burdell.
1: But, yeah, I mean, uh...
0: Yeah, Scarlett Burdell is now just Scarlett.
1: Both those two have a great upside in the company as a whole. I could see them doing great NXT, and I can see Vince with both those guys.
0: Really? You think a well-built blonde is going to do well with Vince McMahon's WWE?
1: I hate to say it, but she's. I'm, not, I'm more worried about Cross than I have heard. I
0: mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think she's got a secure future there?
1: Yeah, I, oh. think, I, think, <laughs> I think Cross does too. But I, if you're asking me, I had to found a sure thing. I'm bad on Scarlett.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, I agree with you. Uh, to be honest with you, I know this isn't what we're talking about right now. We're talking about NXT. But from the night before, they had the NWA, did the special on Camille.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Tell me that's not the cookie cutter for Vince McMahon.
1: It is, but man, I gotta tell you less is more. I liked her when she wasn't talking.
0: Oh no, she's much better off being silent.
1: Yeah, and I mean her voice, it doesn't really fit her look and, and her character. Another thing too is I thought the thing just went too long, like for like a heel type thing. It almost felt like it was, you
0: want to be sympathetic towards Camille at times when I was listening to that. And I was like, this doesn't really work for me. But No, and I, I didn't think that that was done well either. She just has the body type and the personality that Vince yeah. McMahon absolutely he loves. But she, I, I but she falls victim to what I call the Mike Tyson curse, which is where your body doesn't necessarily match up with your voice, kind of like Nails again. I hate to bring up Nails twice in one show, but they did the. Vo- I, I don't know if you remember this years ago when they did the Nails promos when he was coming after Bossman. They actually did a voiceover with the, you know, the deep. I'm coming after you, Bossman. Oh yeah, no, I remember. And then he goes to talk in his promos, and it was almost Mike Tyson-ish. The difference in his voice.
1: Alright, so anything else on NXT you want to talk about before we head over
0: to AEW? Hold on, there was something else that I wanted to mention on NXT, and I'm trying to remember what it is now. Oh, the Kushida, the actual Kushida match. That's uh, him and Tony Nese tore the house down. And then I absolutely love the finish. You don't see the submission hold off the top rope very often.
1: Oh, what do you think of Jake Atlas,
0: by the way? I think he's got potential. He has potential. He's still very green, Yeah. And you can tell that he's very much more of an acrobat and gymnastics background than he is a wrestling background.
1: Yeah, NXT will uh, shake that off him, though, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, he, he has to learn how to actually put it together in a wrestling package. Like, for instance, I love Ricochet, and I think that we can agree Ricochet is one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete in wrestling. But when he, at the WWE's highest level, he has struggled a little bit because Vince McMahon has trouble seeing guys like that who have tremendous athleticism. If they don't put it together in a wrestling package.
1: Yeah, yeah. No no arguments here. Then unless you got like a unless you're an amazing promo or interview, which he's not. So. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, so let's do some AEW, the number one yeah. wrestling brand in the world. <laughs>
1: Well, I I thought they had a solid show last night. Darby and Sammy, these guys got great chemistry together, man. They try to kill each other every time. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there with Spears. He wants his money from Sammy, but he's still rooting for Sammy. But... And well,
0: Sammy, wasn't somebody. Now, Sammy had some great moves in that match and even before the match I loved how unforgiving that ladder was when he came down on Darby Allin. It looked like those two had killed each other Yeah, I really did. I like Jericho in that too. Why do we have a ladder? Why do we have
1: all this stuff here so we don't have any fans so we can do crazy stuff like this? That's why
0: exactly But I love it when he points out the obvious
1: Yeah, I think he said it like a week or two ago, why is there
0: a table out here So we can put somebody through it, that's why. Instead of of actually treating us like we're stupid and like we don't know its place there to do these spots, just come out and say, because we want to do these spots for you. That, to me, is genius. Speaking of Sammy Guevara, while he did not come up on the positive for that match, Mm. he very much did come up with the positive for the dance-off later in the show for the Bubbly Bunch. Uh,
1: I want to ask you, this is not related. Have you heard of TikTok?
0: Uh, Yeah, I know what TikTok is.
1: Okay, so you got the whole flip-flam. I did,
0: and I got the dance off, the flip-flam off. It was fantastic. Maybe someday we'll actually do that for the Working Fans podcast. We'll have people vote on whether or not me, you, or Joe do it the best. Yeah, we had a flip-flam. Yeah, I think people would really love that, bring them that. But Sammy Guevara, absolutely incredible dancer, and seemed like there might be a little heat between him and Jericho when he got the sanitizer.
1: Well, see, Sammy was over this show because uh, he's uh, apparently getting invited to the Matt Hardy compound, too.
0: I think that's one of those cases of Jericho saying, yeah, I'm not traveling to the Hardy compound (laughs) and Sammy getting the vote to go. (laughs) I, uh,
1: I like Matt Hardy going back and forth here. We got to see a little broken Matt and then normal Matt Hardy,
0: too. Well, I like it because it almost comes across as more of a split personality.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Although he does seem to be able to control it.
1: Now, as far as the rest of the show, I mean, uh, the main event. I thought it was nice that they did during the week. Tell what Dustin was going to put his career on. I was fairly confident with this being a tape show that Dustin was not going to lose his career. Really,
0: you didn't think he was going to say goodbye with no fans in attendance and on no a tape fans. show?
1: On a show that was taped weeks ago, that he was like, you know what? I think this is the way to call it. Just tell everybody that was my last match. Well, for now
0: on, for now on, fans, it's no longer Dave. It's Nostradamus.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, the main event was all right. I, don't, right. I didn't think yeah. they had the best chemistry. For me, the highlight of the main event is Penelope Ford. I think that she is outstanding. I think her timing's good and I think she's a great heel. The worst thing about the main event is Brandy Rhodes, because her yeah. timing is not good and she she just doesn't seem to be paying attention at times.
1: She was all over this show too. She was involved in the uh, Orange Cassidy uh, Jimmy Havoc
0: match. Yeah, see, I was saving that for next, and the reason why is because that was one of the highlights of the night.
1: I agree, and it was different because I think it would have been better. There's a match that would have been better with fans too. It was still good, but they had to pivot a little bit. There wasn't as much the fun, funny kind of stuff that Orange would normally do. It was basically Cassidy, I'm sorry, uh, Havoc beating up Cassidy and jumping him from behind. And then most of the asked Cassidy, like, taking a beating and then coming back a little bit. But I thought it was nice. I thought it showed another part of uh, what Cassidy
0: could do. Well, the reason why their styles work so well together is you have the laid-back style taking a beating with the Cassidy. That's awesome. And he showed exactly how much of a laid-back style he has while he's going through it. But you also took somebody who, what makes them as good as they are in Havoc, and what makes him is his offense. When he yeah. does those holes that make you cringe and just, oh, my God, what he does to the fingers and the joints and uh, just painful. And then they hulked him up right. They put – Havoc put his hands in the pockets to mock him. And as Chris Jericho said, he said, that's weird. I thought that that was going to make him hulk up a little. And then he ducks the clothesline, and there it is. Here comes Orange Cassidy. Also, too, I uh, <clears throat> have to give the boys credit in uh, the post-match uh, interview where I think it was Trent who said, Listen, if I want to beat up Anelope Ford, do I want to fight her? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> He's like, "But I'll do the next best thing and I'll fight <laughs> Kip and Jimmy Havoc instead. Then. I think the best friends steal the show almost every week. I, I think their chemistry is absolutely incredible. You see that they really are best friends. They're paired tremendously with Orange Cassidy. I, 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 Chuck Taylor is fantastic. I loved when they were talking. I can't remember if it was on there or if it was on Being the Elite, but they were talking to, oh, no, it was on Being the Elite. They had the four of them, I think it was, actually five of them, sorry, six of them, God. It was Jurassic Express, and it was Orange Cassidy and The Best Friends, and they were talking about stage names and given names, and Trent Barretta was like, yeah, my name obviously is uh, a stage name, that's not a, and yeah, Chuck Taylor says, yeah, I picked my stage name, unfortunately, like 15 years ago when I was a young kid, and it's too late now to go away from it. So so I think they just have great chemistry together.
1: They really do. So I would say, you know, earlier we were talking about the mystery of Finn Bauer. How about the mystery on AEW, Night of Mysteries? Who's the guy joining the Dark Order here? Any idea?
0: Uh, he's a former Heisman Trophy winner from what they said.
1: From what they said. I started thinking Six Two,
0: two forty?
1: Well, wait. They say did they say Heisman Trophy or Candidate?
0: Or maybe candidate.
1: Yeah, I think it was candidate. But six two,
0: two forty.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think of people recently released, though, just in case there was a character.
0: Yeah, that could definitely be one of those guys.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, like, I was trying to picture, like, I started thinking of people who were, it ain't fucking Rusev, I mean.
0: What did you think of Cody Rhodes at the beginning of the show?
1: Reminded me of Batman, for some reason. Like, you know, sitting in the chair... And all the little monitors and kind of the speech going on there. I, I Cody engages me with stuff like that. He's, he's a really good promo.
0: Now, I agree. I think Cody did a great job with it. Here's the one thing that got me. I actually got to the end of the show, and I'm like, I didn't get to see Jake Roberts. <laughs> Because every week, they've been starting off with Jake at the beginning, sitting in a chair by campfire, or... Right. And I actually found myself missing him this week, not seeing him. Well, there's no art show this week. And, truth be told, too, behind the
1: scenes, Jake's obviously been recording that stuff and sending it in. I don't know how Jake's doing right now. I think he's doing good now, but he was struggling for a bit. So what happened, I guess, was if you hadn't heard, was Jake, when he originally went down to do the taping, DDP had told him, like, well, you know... If you do the taping, you gotta find some place to stay because everything going on, I can't have you back here. And Jake was in a hotel by himself for a few days, and he started tweeting out things like, oh, this is getting very lonely here. I don't know. I'm doing well, but still sober. And DDP basically said, okay, Jake, come back. And he's back at the uh, DDP house now, the positivity house.
0: And I think he's doing fine. There are reports he's doing fine. Everything's good. He just really needs that. He needs the support. Jake Roberts, without support, cannot do it on his own. And health-wise, quite frankly, with the beating that he gave his body between the drugs and the years of not taking care of himself, if he was one of those people that was to get coronavirus. Oh yeah, he, he would definitely be at risk to um, health wise. So oh, right. so I'm glad to hear he's doing well. But
2: that might have been a
1: reason why he wasn't on there, and they they didn't need him. I mean, Lance Archer wasn't there this week, so maybe something down the road, Jake will report something for
0: them again. Yeah, obviously we're going to see ant Archer next week because it because uh, he will be facing Dustin Rhodes next week. Well,
1: if they do that next week, they might do a semi-final one week and then another one the
0: next week. Yeah. I mean? Here's another thing. Brody Lee. Yeah. Great match. I think that he, um, the guy from Gainesville did a great job of putting him over.
1: I like to interact. Are you going with Marco Stunt there? I, uh, I don't know what Brody like, trying to pick a fight with Marco. That's very interesting.
0: And, and, well, they will be facing each other next week.
1: I saw
0: that I saw that <laughs> uh, good good for you Marco. I uh, think the
1: taping had Marco versus Lance Archer and now Lee.
0: <laughs> yeah I do like that they went down a couple athletes from Gainesville, Georgia at the beginning of the match but saw, but they I think they forgot one
1: Gainesville, Georgia
0: yeah they, they I think they forgot a pretty prominent um, athlete he, he's made a pretty good career for himself in wrestling. That's where um, AJ Styles is from. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they probably weren't going to talk about him on the show.
0: They didn't. So. No, 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 absolutely not. But I just thought it was funny that they went down a list of a couple athletes from Gainesville, Georgia, because this kid was from there. And I was, I'm waiting. I'm like, are they going to mention AJ? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's pretty much the show, right? Anything else you want to talk about going on?
0: It doesn't really deserve for us to talk about it, but Raw Raw I think was a drizzling shits again.
1: You know, I'm gonna disagree a little bit with that. I did thought that um they continue to get Aleister Black over, and uh there might have been a few okay, so I think this is one thing you probably didn't like. Zelina's gang, Theory, Andrade, oh who's the other guy there, buddy? Andrade, Theory,
0: Garza Garza.
1: Yeah, they were all over the show. However, <laughs> they were mostly on the show getting beat up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I actually like them as a group. Yes. I actually enjoyed the interactions during the match with uh, Alistair Black and Theory because they kind of were alluding back and forth. Byron was hinting at her being conflicted in the match without actually saying why she would be conflicted. Yeah. And then obviously she had that interaction with them where... You're a bully. Why are you doing this? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think Black has been like one of the MVPs in these yeah. empty arena shows, And Kudos, it's one thing that WWE on the main roster is getting right. I, I am glad to see that somebody is looking out for him and pushing him. And maybe Vince is on board now with this guy. So we. Gonna- I,
0: I just hope they don't get too positive on him, because that's the quickest way to get Vince to forget about someone.
1: <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, and I will say this, they're continuing to have Drew go over everybody, so I'll give him that too. Drew's looking like a dominant champion and he's not really doing anything stupid so far.
0: I enjoyed the Shayna Baszler too, and after that it was pretty much a drizzling shits.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like a great show overall. I I, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't definitely, it wasn't anything, yeah, I would want to write home. I I can tell you this, if you saw this show and you were coming home from a late shift on a late night, and you said, I'm gonna try to watch this, I can see where it might have been tough to watch.
0: Yeah, it was irritating me. (laughs) But here's the thing, Raw audience dropped again this week This is the third week in a row with people home from work and out of work And people needing things to watch And somehow Raw continues to lose more audience members every week Yeah, but man, I think that's pretty much
1: across the board I mean, uh, AEW and NXT are both down still too
0: Oh, wait a minute, they haven't really been losing people Well, they did
1: they bought about it looks like if they're at where they're at right now. Yeah,
0: they're basically staying in that six eighty to six ninety mark now. Nah, uh, I
1: think it's a little lower than that. I think it's around the low Maybe you're right. I, don't I thought know. last yeah.
0: week was six eighty three to six ninety two. I don't
1: know. NXT won by a couple thousand. When it
0: yeah, came. I thought they had the six ninety two, but might be right. but they lost in their geograph in their um, demographics.
1: Yeah, they lost in the important eighteen to forty. A lot of older people watch NXT, which makes no sense to me because it's like the older people they like would know about WWE. They, you didn't, you wouldn't think they'd be interested in NXT. Well,
0: the good news for there is good news for us out of this, Dave, and we should thank the fans for this. Our demographic is right where you want them.
1: Right,
0: right, right. We 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 do not have the sixty to seventy year old market.
1: No, we do not. No, we do not. We got to see that this week, yeah. <laughs> we don't have the 18 to market either. We're kind
0: of in the middle. So, hey, that 18 market's coming. I know how well you do flirting with those girls.
1: I'm trying my best out there. This <laughs> coronavirus
0: is killing right now. <laughs> but fans, we're gonna let you go on that note. We stay tuned. Listen on because we're gonna have a tremendous five three one for you this week. This week we are gonna discuss who's got the best drop kick in wrestling. So Dave, say goodbye to the people, <laughs> and we'll catch you on the flip side, guys. It's
1: the Working Fans Podcast with Dave, and today we got a former member of Men on a Mission from uh, the WWE back in the day. He was the uh, happy rapping manager, Oscar. How the heck are you, sir?
2: I'm alright, how you doing?
1: Good man, good You know, usually when I get people on I'll ask them about How they broke into wrestling But with you, I was kind of curious Like, how did you start rapping? Was that something you always loved? Or, like, how did that come about? Yeah
2: Oh man, I'm trying to make a long story short Because that's That's a loaded question With a long reach (laughs) Um, Rap started uh, When I was in high school It actually Started when I was in high school It started up like in the Bronx um, New York Where I'm from New York from Brooklyn and you know I became a fan right away when I first heard the first rap that I ever heard because before they were records, the raps were on cassette and um, guys used to have those big boom boxes that took 12D batteries and, and they weighed about 10-15 pounds to carry them around a lot of people got they, they got bulked up just like carrying boom boxes. then you heard the likes of uh, Curtis Lowe and Ramnath Flash and, oh, yeah. and Spoonie G, you know, some of the earliest rappers, and I was just a fan of uh, Fan Men. And then in Brooklyn, you know, we used to mess around with it. You know, I had one rhyme, you know, back by 1979 that I used to do, and then I started rocking at parties. So we used to have block parties outside where we set these huge booming sound systems up. And we just rock it all night. And some of us that was rapping, we would get on the mic and just rock the crowd outside until the club situation came. And then the record started coming out. And I so wanted to be a rapper making records. It was my passion and my dream. Fast forward when Grandmaster Flash and them started making records and then Run DMC, and it was and then they started going on tours and all that. Just fast forward in the story. That was my. If I had three wishes, it would be to go on tour to make records and be a rap star. To go on tour, to make records and be a rap star. Oh, and hey, to go on tour, to make records and be a rap star. <laughs> I wanted it so bad. Not about the money, it was about prestige, the
0: clothes. And especially
2: number one, the girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody was really doing it for, because nobody thought that the kind of money was going to be generated out of this He just wanted just wanted to be popular. I started rapping at this club. Later on, fast forward into the '80s, we started rapping at this club it's called Roy International, and the guy he was a Jewish guy that really liked me. His name was Leon, and he let me get on stage and introduce the act. I used to get booed up Every week Get out of here <laughs> They was through They um <laughs> a, 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 a wet roll of toilet tissue At me one time I'd never forget. Wow. It's like you know Why you just don't quit Why you just don't quit Why you just don't quit But the love of that stage Outweighed the negativity Until if, uh, until I got better And it's not that I got better They just after I guess about a year They just got tired of doing <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't going nowhere.
1: You broke them down.
2: <laughs> he you know, even let you know, If not, no, we ain't got to like him, but it <laughs> fun no more. So, yeah, I went on to, uh, to, you know, to the growing international thing. And then uh, what I did was I went, but the New York rap scene was, was really crowded. But my parents moved to California. I went to California where the rap scene wasn't so crowded and my skill level to rap was nothing in New York but it was phenomenal in Los Angeles because it was just breaking
1: out so when
2: you hear the names Dr. Dre Ice Cube, Easy E Ice Team you know I was all in that I was all in that West Coast Coast rap clique back then where we used to do parties and all that other kind of stuff like that everybody branched off and then what wound up happening was I had got, I had rap. I used to, I used to freestyle all the time. I could rap about anything on the spot. And I met a man named Norby Walters. I, the man, changed my life. Norby Walters was an agent to every black group that there was that was doing anything. The Stylistics, the Barry Whites, the Michael Jacksons. He was their agent, and as he was coming to retirement. He took a liking to me and then he became my manager. That was the best thing that happened because the position that he had, Norby Walton was like the unofficial mayor of Los Angeles. Mayor of Hollywood, to be more specific. The man knew every actor, every producer, every celebrity and power broker in the entertainment business. How did you not fail being aligned with somebody like that? And when I met him, I started doing everything. I was playing, I was playing casinos out in Vegas. I was, I was, I was on the flip side. I wasn't doing the stuff running see that Grandmaster Slash was doing. I was doing corporate parties and Jewish events and stuff that where rappers don't normally go where white folks, white folks do that. <laughs> A huge amount of money, and I was becoming an overnight celebrity in Los Angeles because I was always getting written up by Variety magazine, the Hollywood Reporter, and it was a glorious time. Wow. doing all that.
1: What time period was this? Eighties, nineties?
2: It was from the mid-eighties, and then I, and then the year where I really broke out was nineteen ninety. Because in nineteen ninety, the very first big project that I did. Was the Jetsons had a movie, and I got on the soundtrack. If you ever watched Jetsons the movie, the one of the very last songs was called the Jetson rap. That's what I did, and I'm I was excited. To this day, I'm still I'm still proud of. It. I mean, that's the iconic Jetsons. Right. I did a rap for the Jetsons the movie, and that was fantastic.
1: Gonna live. That's something to live forever, right there. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah. No, it will. Matter of fact, my wife was watching it about a part of month ago. I mean it. It's a phenomenal thing to put on. You know, if if I ever write up my legacy on paper, that's a a one big pinnacle. Then from then on, I'm I'm getting to the part where I got the WWE Then I'm going to let you ask your last, you know, your next question.
1: Oh, that's right. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. You're doing great.
2: After the Jets, this producer that I knew in Seattle... He had a production company where he would do like Vegas-type shows with dancing girls and comedians, you variety shows. And I knew him as he was Greg Thompson. He was another mentor of mine. After I did the Jetsons, he said, you know what? You got the Jetsons out. That's a big thing. I got a show running in Bermuda. And I, Bermuda, beautiful Bermuda. Where it ain't nothing but a beach. Mm. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's seven-star hotels. And He was running a show at a seven-horse hotel for the Southampton Princess. And he gave me a contract, flew me out there, and I was working in that show. So I lived with the leaders meet- uh, for close to a year. I came back, and I settled right back into, you know, doing big things in Hollywood. I was wrapping, opening things up at the improv for guys like Adam Sandler and Jay Leno and Jerry Soundbill and a big you know, big comedy names. Some of the biggest comedy names ever, I probably opened up for the improv or some other charity event or something else. I mean, it was phenomenal. I hooked up with with my favorite comedian, who was the biggest comic in in America at that time, Andrew Dice Clay. Mm. I saw him outside the comedy store, and I did this rap for him, and he asked me how to do that. I said, I don't know. So he took me, he had eight shows running at the last factory, which was on Sunset Boulevard. What he did was, he would do his show, he would call me on stage, and then I would rap, I would rap the show out down. And everybody lost their mind, and then and it was, I mean, I was like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm with Andrew Dykes Clay. I, I, I with Andrew Dice now.
1: That's a crazy. You got a crazy life, my man.
2: <laughs> I used to see with Andrew Dice Clay. I'm here to go on stage with Andrew Dice Clay. This is nuts. I went with Andrew Dice to Las <laughs> Vegas. He played at Valley. did the same thing. I was a huge fan when I went to Vegas playing craps. So the field was playing craps on the same day, coincidentally. The Vince McMahon and Macho Man Randy Savage was over there. He was shooting daniettes. The so WrestleMania 9 was coming up in two weeks mm. so I'm playing crap and I see this big commotion in the casino and I look and I see this guy with this crazy hat and his colorful outfit <laughs> and I'm like oh my god that's my man Randy Savage I gave the mic to the guy next to me and I said go rap for Randy Savage real fast so I said Mr. Savage I got a I got a a thing telegram for where I'm he went okay go brother <laughs> and then I did the rap and I put this I was like no, 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 Macho Man, yo, I was the he can't ravage, talk about Macho Man, Randy Savage, and then uh, goes the man with the plan, standing right there in Vince McMahon, and, and, and just, just on and, and on this on, awesome. Vince was like, Vince, was, his mouth was open, he was like, I want you to call me Monday <laughs> at the WWE headquarters, in Southern Connecticut, he said as the elevator was closing and he said it just like that's for connecticut it looks like you can't say it on tv <laughs> so that monday i woke up i was like okay let's see. go get candles for the 80s i gotta get milk, do some laundry and oh yeah that's right oh man right so I call, now uh, when i'm calling i figured you know how people say call me and they don't mean it they just, you know yeah. His, sec- his secretary at the time was like, oh, my God, yeah, this is exciting. He's been telling everybody about you. He's wishing for you to call. He's going to call you right back. Call <laughs> called me 10 minutes later on the plane.
1: Wow. He
2: said, I think that you would you sit would in here as a good manager. I see you as one of my managers. Let me get WrestleMania 9 behind me, and we to sort this out. And I was like, um, you want to get a couple of tickets to WrestleMania 9? <laughs> he was like, yeah, absolutely. Right. So I went back to Vegas, and yep, I had tickets right from here at WrestleMania 9. So I'm going, and I'm going up it I was like, no, 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 you seats are down here. So my seat was in this red carpeted VIP section, and they sat me down next to a loop of What was the lady? I actually remember her name. Unforgettable. I I should remember
0: the name. So, anyway, yeah, so I
2: enjoyed WrestleMania 9, went home, and about a month later, he called me, me to Stanford, Connecticut for a meeting. Mo and Mabel were there, and that's the rest of history.
1: So, that was the first time you met Mo and Mabel. Okay.
2: Yeah, see. Vince didn't know at the time who he was going to put me with. I mean, I knew it was going to be somebody black because that made sense. Mm. I know it was going to be a uh, or, or or somebody like that. But, no, nah, they took the time to um, to wait. They they had tape on more Mabel from the USWA
1: right.
2: in, in Memphis. And, and, yeah, he got them out there, put us together. And uh, Vincent creative had already came up with the game plan already. They knew the kind of outfits they wanted us to wear. They had the name, men on mission, and they told us we were gonna be Mabel Oscar Mo.
1: So you start right at WWE, but were you always a fan of wrestling?
2: That's another story. Yeah, okay. okay. So my stepfather had a knack of knowing on television, but me and my brother would enjoy just if, if he was watching it. So, you know, like one time he would call us and sit up there and say, look at this. And it was Alvin Costello with me, Frankenstein. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, that's Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman. We loved this." So one night, one Saturday night at midnight, he called the and sat us down, and wrestling was on. And that's what I fell in love. We all fell in love with wrestling. Bruno San Martino and the Iron Sheik, Skandar Akbar and Andre the Giant <laughs> and the list goes on and Bob Backlund. And uh, we just fell in love with it. And then a couple of times, he took up the Madison Square Garden to go see it live. And we had so much. We had no green but it was so much fun. Now, let me tell you why this was pinnacle. And now I'm going to bring you my best house of story. All right. I think was the announcer at Madison Square Garden, when I was 9 or 10 years old, used to go see it live, right? You hear how fake ladies and gentlemen, Bruno, some <clears> Montrose, <throat> I'm our faithful I never forgot his name because that's a stateful that that's, that's a strange name.
1: Yeah.
2: How about years later at WrestleMania at WrestleMania 10, I and Mabel were going against the Quebecers for the titles and it just hit me that night. I'm like I used to watch this guy in the nosebleed scene to my father and my brother and now he's getting ready to introduce me. That's and wild. Any, any wrestler, uh, and, I, and I would imagine that story is not so unique to me because every wrestler who ever used to go and, 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 and hear, the, and hear the, uh, the OGs being announced by Howard Finkel, and then Howard Finkel announcing their name, that's gotta make you feel something because it did because WrestleMania 10, when I came up that, that that curtain, I have to look up at the nosebleed seats and I would imagine my father, brother, and me looking down at me now.
1: Yeah, I and mean, yeah, being from Brooklyn, too, and it's WrestleMania 10 at the Garden.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that was such a fun because I got to do my first music video outside on location at the Garden prior to that, you know, and I mean, it, it, was, it was like a... It was what I wanted becoming a rapper 20 times over I made it like Grand DMC and Grandmaster Flash and all my items, but I made it on the flip side in another way. That that had me stand apart from everybody else in the rap industry. And I come to to find out that I'm respected a lot from those cats for doing it. Because my idols, Melly Mel, I, I saw him again that a lot when I was still in, and he told me, like Chuck D Republican, and he told me they were fans. I'm like, well, it's because of y'all that I'm doing what I'm doing. Matter of fact, I owe y'all ten 10 cents every dollar I've ever made because it wasn't y'all, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great, it, 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 it's a great story when I look back on. The annals of my life. I mean, it, it's been a
1: wild ride. Well, let me ask you this, because everything, you know, I mean, doesn't all great, and obviously things aren't always easy. And I did hear now, you, you always hear about it, but from just from your perspective, the travel schedule back then, how was that?
2: Well, it's it's it's, it's more through
1: it than just the travel. Okay,
2: that opens up uh, that opens up a new line of <laughs> of, of, of answer. Awesome. The travel itself. Was as anything, most people will tell you that the travel, the, the logistics of the travel is more exhausting and tiring than the actual work itself because the schedule was relentless. Mm. This McMahon will sit home with a $32 billion mansion and he'll put you on, he'll put you on the road 14 or what, four days straight without no rest. And then they give you four days. Yeah, gave you four days off, right? Excuse me, four days off. And before you could drop your bag, when you get home, because I was way out on the west coast at that time, back towards in California. I know one time, before I could put my bag down, my phone rang, and they said Shawn Michaels had to go to a wedding or something like that. We need to put you guys back on the road. i plane playing tickets waiting for you over here. <laughs> well. Uh- at home. But um, but but yeah, I mean the trouble, because I mean you on the road, three to fifty five days a year, you on the road probably two hundred ninety or three hundred
1: rolls, hmm. give give or take. Sure. I heard people say before that the wrestling and performing is the fun part. They pay you for the travel.
2: Well, yeah, no, they, I mean they pay you. So, like, it's like, what like, like you have a recording on a band or act on the road. You get paid, basically, according to what they feel like your contribution is to the people coming to take the sales and the money generated. So, if you're a top guy like Bret Hart was at the time, Bret Hart I make you know, 100 times more money than me. I make good money, but Bret Hart was up there. Yeah, Lex Luger, that was up there. Yeah, Yoko Lula, that was champ. They were all in the main event all the time, so yeah, the money they
1: were making was insane. Before I talk about leaving WWE, you uh, what about the ribs? Any funny ribs? We always heard good stories about practical jokes and stuff about then. Anything you remember?
2: I was the king of getting ribs. I probably hold the record. Both <laughs> ribs and both vicious ribs pulled. Ooh. The Spider Brothers were relentless when it came. I mean, these cats duct taped me to a hero in the bathroom. Oh, uh, I mean I I, I used to be, my my stuff used to be on the floor all the time and sometimes guys wanted to fight me because they didn't think that I would fight back because I wasn't a wrestler. I mean I, I oh yeah 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 don't forget my this' <laughs> my 30th birthday when I got they held me down and spanked my
1: ass.
2: Oh my God. Dirty hard legs. You know, remember that. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it's, it's just a lot, but I wasn't the only one. I mean, the Red used to have like these $2,000 suits and from what i understand, he used to come back from the match and find his suits able to a
1: wall.
2: Wow. Uh, when the one, of the first got the title, somebody stole the belt and then they... Get him hunt bag. I mean, yeah. These guys wasn't just ribbon playing. They would do some malicious, mean, repugnant, awful
1: awesome stuff. Yeah, so the worst, the ugly side of the ribs. You saw a lot of that then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, was,
2: yeah somebody, somebody doing that
1: in your bag. It don't get no worse than that. Nah. No. Now, so, you ended up uh, leaving the wrestling. You left WWE. Take us through that. How did that come about? What made your decision to finally leave?
2: Well, okay. I was, I was about burnt out. Maybe I needed about three months off. I could have got regenerated and came back. I was, but I was, I was burnt out. I mean, two, two years of change. uh relentlessly on the road. But what 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 uh, what came to a head was "Not on the Mission" was popular. A great babyface team with a lot of fans and a really good positive image. Now. Throughout my early rap career, and the way I've always lived, I always lived my life positive. You know, you don't, won't, don't you not never saw me drunk because I don't drink, never had. You never see me smoking, and when it comes down to youth, youth is my passion. Stay in school, stay out of drugs, and live your life positive. Mm. And I had a great platform being you know, on television to impart that to you know I'm a whole lot more kids. And if I was just plain old, you know, like, just plain old Greg, which is my real name. Mm. Well what happened was the idea came to turn men on the mission heel. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to take us and, you know, and turn us from baby face to heal, be a heel tag team. That didn't feel well with me for a few reasons. But number one, I know Vince know what he's doing. He's the master at it. But I really felt strongly that, okay, they're gonna turn them turn turn, turn everybody heel. You know, and Mo never wanted to be deals. They never wanted to be daisy. That was impact. I thought that it was the wrong time to do that. That was my opinion. But what the thing was was because of my positive stance and my positive stature, I was never going to go on television with those many people watching me and be negative. It just wasn't getting me to do it. And that was that that was that was the split. That's when I was you know, pretty much done.
1: After uh WWE, did you do anything else with wrestling or did was was that it? Did you move on to something else?
2: I left wrestling. Um I left wrestling and I was straight into um I was straight into radio. I was on mm. one of the biggest radio shows in Chicago called Man Cow's Morning.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No kidding. Now I saw you I wanna say in twenty seventeen you did a rap for something to wrestle with like a live show with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad
2: I get okay I was in Boston doing an interview yeah um,
1: that's what I saw you in Worcester so yeah okay
2: yeah with a guy named Dan Marani I was doing a TV thing and he told me that next night that Bruce and Conrad cause I didn't even know I knew Bruce Pritchard really well mm-hmm. my work you know Bruce was uh, one of the top executives up uh, there when I when I, when I when I was there so I knew Bruce really well but he said, so Dan said, you know, yeah, Bruce was doing his show um, at the House of Blues tomorrow night. He said, you should come up there and, you know, and, and, and rap. And I was going to be in town, so I was down. So I I, uh, I went, and I went backstage, and I saw Bruce. And, um, you know, Bruce knew I was coming to rap. Bruce was like, do um, you, 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 you want to you rap and open the show? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so that's how that started. So... Uh, from you know I did about I, I did about ten of those. They were all a house of blues. They were all sold out, and it was it, it was one of the biggest ways in 2017 for me to at least get my name really really back out
1: there. Yeah, it was awesome. You did great, man. It was good seeing you there. It brought back a lot of memories. What are you uh, you doing anything right now? I know it's probably hard to do things right now with the damn virus out there, but you know.
2: Well, you know about Comic coming up in here, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, myself and Hurricane Shane Helms and a bunch of big names, and uh, we're going to have and and, and this guy that came up with it, um, Kenny Casanova, that did uh, Kamala's book. Okay. Uh, they came up with an idea since we can't really socialize right now, is to do a virtual comic, to do a, a virtual wrestling convention. The same way we do but we're going to do it all online. Q&As and, and interviews and, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And a whole bunch of activities that people can, you know, look at safely at home. And, uh, you know, panels and all that stuff that you have at a convention, we're going to have it online. That's going to be May 2nd and 3rd. I think I'm on sometime on the third. I just don't know what time yet because they haven't told me what time but I slotted. But Shockmaster going to be on. Yes, yeah, because there's a whole bunch of big names. That are going to be involved. I think Barry darstow and, uh, and, and um, Barry darstow and them are going to be involved. This yes, has going to be huge, and it's going to be a virtual wrestling convention, and we're all part of this. And I'm going
1: to be on May third. Awesome, awesome. We'll promote that when the episode drops. We'll put a link or something on Twitter too. That's great, man.
2: Yes, it's called it's
1: called COVID time. COVID time. Um,
2: if you look up COVID time wrestling mark at COVID time, and it'll give you all the details.
1: All right, man. Is there anything else you want to promote?
2: No, that's good for now. I mean, I, I don't know. The, the, as far as getting out, you know, everything is so iffy right now. Things are yeah. on hold, so you know. I mean, hopefully we can get some semblance of normalcy back. Because me personally, you know, I mean, I've been I, I've been traveling a lot. I've been a, a consultant for uh, I've been a consultant for a few things, and then um, a lot of you know, by all of the big uh, signings um, I've been at. Uh, Over the past five or six years, Russell Con and Russell Fest and, you know, all those kinds of things like that. You always come in, meet me, shake hands, you know, swap stories, sign autographs and and all that other kind of thing like that. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to that because I enjoy traveling, you know, when I want to travel, you know, when I want to be at home. And you know, I want to go and and out and meet people and be with people and you know, and vacation and all other kind of stuff like that. Those uh, those conventions afford you to do that, and so yeah, that's that, that's I want to get back to that.
1: That's awesome. That's excellent. <laughs> Thank you, man. Oh my god! Listen, Oscar. Uh, Thank you so much. You're an awesome storyteller. you got a great personality. You're very engaging. This was a real pleasure for me. Thank you. All
2: right, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. You guys can uh, contact me anytime.
1: All right. Have a great night, man. Thanks again.
2: Well, I'm a working man here for working fans, and I'm going to tell you what this is all the part of the plan. part of the plan, they first, not last, it is called the Working Fair Podcast. When they get questions and they get answers. You can't see them, but they got answers. They are the ones in the place to be. You can see them all, and all you'll see. They got the answers, the wrestling yes. And they are yes, they got to be the best. But God got a voice out of this world. He be rocking, they're and rockin' their and girls. So I'm like this. They take them to task. They're listening to the working man podcast. <laughs>
0: All right, welcome back. We're going to do a 5-3-1 this week. We don't have producer Joe with us. He mailed in his list to us. So we're going to take this one by the horn. It's me, AJ, and I'm going to bring it to you. And we've got do it to it. Dave's here. Dave, say hi to the people. (laughs)
1: Woo! You
0: can go straight to hell, Hulk Hogan. And this 5-3-1, we're going to do the big one, guys. We all talk about it. Who's got the hops? Who's got the best dropkick in the history of wrestling? So, a
1: couple things. One, Juicer Joe did not mail on his list, so he's not going to get on there unless he dumps this in, which he might, though. Be surprised. He's sneaky like that. He'll dump his list in. I, and see,
0: there, see Dave's fun. nicer than I am. I would have just made up a list for him. I was going to say Jake J- Jake the Milkman Milliman, Dusty <laughs> Rhodes, King Kong Bundy. I, re- I remember How when... You, know I had, you had a drop kick. I remember when Tugboat threw that drop kick, and I'm pretty sure Andre the Giant's one drop kick. I'm pretty sure that was Joe's list. Of course I got a list, fellas. You guys can't hold me down. My list for the top five drop kicks is Bobby Eaton, Marty Jannetty, Dolph
1: Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, and Mr. Perfect. What? So one other thing too, funny note about this list, one guy who did not make any of our list here was Mark Jindrak and it was my first week listening to talking shop podcast and the guest was mark Jindrak, and i was like holy oh shit! mark had a drop kick where he could literally guys could be standing on the top rope he could be standing on the mat and hit you in the chin
0: well the funny thing is, is he was also one of the people who could do the drop kick and then land back on his own feet
1: yeah he was amazing awesome drop kick especially I mean,
0: considering he was what about six five i'm gonna I'm a list for you, because he's got an interesting one. Jake St. John here has Mr. Perfect, who'll be a theme here. Okada, who'll be another theme. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and this one is interesting. I had to look it up. Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> Which wow, good one. I don't one. think of Minoru
1: with drop kicks, but he has kind of a vicious-looking drop. Kicks. No, he's
0: got one that is delivered. I love drop kicks that look like they're driven through you, like you're actually drop-kicking the person. So yeah. th- that's a very good one.
1: Yeah, Okada's got one like that, too, and I've seen Okada's, but Menorah does, too.
0: He does, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, for those of us, for those of you listening for the first time, Jake's an old friend of ours. We all went to high school together, but he's also an accomplished author, and you should pick up his book on Amazon. Dave, what's the name of that book?
1: Lost City Highways, I
0: believe. Absolutely. You, I'll it, have a link on Twitter this week. If you get a chance to pick that up on Amazon, please pick that up. He's a good friend and a great author.
1: All right. We got Scott from Valentine, who uh, again has Okada, Lance Storm, a couple favorites here again, Randy Orton, Mr. Perfect, and Moose. Wow. Uh, good list. Yeah, big
0: dropkick. I'm a little upset that I don't have Lance Storm on my list now. That, that is a hell of a list. Yo, so let's go to Zach St. John, Jake's brother, because they usually have
1: a lot of similar people on the list, and I'm seeing Lance Storm. Okada, Dolph Ziggler, Kurt Henning, and AJ Styles, You probably didn't make this list enough. AJ Styles is a hell of a dropkick.
0: He does, he has a hell of a dropkick. Once again, Zach being the baby brother of Jake, he's got red hair like Dave, so he doesn't have a soul, but a hell of a nice guy in his own right, and a great list there. AJ Styles, incredibly underrated, great dropkick. Uh, once again, sad I didn't get him on my list, but we can only fit five people on the list, for Christ's sakes. And
1: we're doing this, you know, sometimes we're like, you know, we're forced to do it really quick. So, all right, let's go from AJ
0: to AJ. AJ, what is your list here? Wow. Okay. So, I, as we talked about, I did not put Landstorm or AJ Styles. I'm regretting both of those. However, I did go classic. I went with one of the great drop kicks of all time, Jumping Jim Brunzel. I mean, the man's name is Jumping Jim. If he yeah. didn't have a great drop kick, he would have been screwed over. Got White Lightning, Tim Horner. Tim Horner could deliver a drop kick. He's another one of those guys who it just seemed like he could fly on his drop kick One of the best technically sound ones I've ever seen, and once again a person who looked Like he was driving it through you, was Mr. Perfect. He always looked like He was jumping up there and just Driving his feet through the person And the difference between him and some of the other guys On the list, once again, is the size Bracket. Mr. Perfect a little bit larger Than Tim Horner or Jumping Jim Brunzel. Now speaking of larger Guys who throw a great drop kick My number four guy is Billy Gunn I don't think Billy Gunn gets mentioned enough At being 6'5 and 260 pounds for his athleticism and what he can actually do but he got great air and once again it looked like he was driving those feet through people My number five is, to me, one of the greatest technicians in the history of wrestling and somebody who I think just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And that's Brad Armstrong. No matter what incarnation of Brad Armstrong there was, he could throw the picture-perfect dropkick. Always right on the chin, always crisp, never saw him slipping up. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch.
1: Now, first off, points for putting Horner and Armstrong on there. I actually just watched the match with the Lightning Express the other day.
0: Great tag team. Uh,
1: Great tag team.
0: Underrated. Randy Randy Osgood's list here. Randy Orton. Bryan, which I'm thinking he means Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson. I forgot to check.
1: Dolph Ziggler. He probably meant Bryan Armstrong. I don't think he meant Bryan Armstrong. (laughs) AJ Styles. A lot of, you know, lists we're seeing here. AJ Styles is actually on this list a little more than I thought, which is he should be. He's he's great. Then Okada, a reoccurring theme. I'm, I'm going to be in my list. Like you, we're the veterans, I think, of this list. We both recognize Jumpin' Jim Brunsell. Awesome dropkick. One guy that nobody else has on here, I have on here, he's not necessarily going to be your favorite wrestler. He was no go to the Mid carter. But you're going to
0: agree with me when I say this. Outstanding dropkick, Paul Roma. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's least favorite horseman.
1: <laughs> he might not have been your favorite horseman, but he had a hell of a Another guy who had a good drop kick down on this list
0: benchmark was Bob Holly. Bob Holly had a good leap and he'd like to knock you out with it too. Oh, me. absolutely. And then Randy Orton and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, no, great list. I had most of this list already here.
1: Looking at the votes, uh, you know we normally narrow it down to three. I'm going to do a little tournament bracket style here, based on who had the most votes.
0: Yeah, well, let's face it; we don't have to really follow the rules. The guy who likes to follow the rules isn't here this week.
1: See, number one, we got the keys to the <laughs> yeah. house. You know what happens when we run this? Show? <laughs> number one, mass wrestler of all time, Kane, not the Ultima Dragon, <laughs> not Ring <Rey> Mysterio,
0: Kane. <laughs> Wait till they see who wins the drop kick. Yes. <laughs> I should have never gave you all dudes money. Well, oh. I don't. I mean,
1: like, uh, if you had listened to last week's episode yet, because it dropped today, but me and
0: Joe ended up picking John Cena as the number one U.S. champion of all time. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I heard that.
1: I'm like, you know, he was a great U.S. champion, but number one, yeah, I think we didn't do that one right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so.
1: First round bracket,
0: I got I got four people here in the first round bracket I got who had the better drop kick, AJ? Mr. Perfect or Dolph Ziggler. Oh Jesus. So now here's here's what we're gonna do. Or in my opinion. Yeah. <sighs> Dolph Ziggler to me is almost a copy of Mr. Perfect's dropkick. It's, it's like he watched Mr. Perfect's drop kicks and emulated it. So for me, you gotta go with the original one here. Because he's clearly trying to pay homage to Mr. Perfect. Also, Perfect,
1: it just looked like he's going to drill you in the face with it. And he had that tremendous stand and drop.
0: And he's he's 40 pounds heavier than Dolph Ziggler. I I don't know, but yeah, he's definitely. I'm going to agree with you. Now, see if you follow my logic on this one, alright? I can't wait. Alright, we have AJ Styles versus Okada. Ooh.
2: Here, I want to say we had four people pick Okada for best rock king and AJ Styles had three. Now, so when we match these two up and you take technique and everything versus each other and
1: styles and how to deliver, I went with the fact I went with AJ Styles because I like him better.
0: Okay, uh, so <laughs> <exciting>. <laughs> Okay, so first off, if we ever started promotion and fans, please let us know if this sounds good to you. Yeah. If we ever start a promotion, the first main event I want. AJ Styles versus Okada Oh,
1: um,
0: Now I'm going to disagree with you I like Okada better than AJ I know you think I would go with AJ Because I'm an egomaniac And I would go with the guy with my name But I actually prefer Okada Out of the two of them I think Okada has made such a big splash And I think the dropkick is much bigger part of his offense Than it is AJ's at this point
1: now you saying you like Okada better than his dropkick or do you like Okada the performer overall better as well?
0: I like Okada as the performer overall.
1: Man, I feel like you're doing a babyface turn here. You see the fucking ship balling
0: and you're not gonna take it <laughs> go down with me on this one. Okay, first buy that in
1: your heart of hearts. You're a homegrown TNA fan.
0: First of okay. all first of all, you might think I'm going babyface, or am I just really going heel on you?
1: Maybe. <laughs> Here's the ultimate test. Okada versus Mr. Perfect. Who are you
0: picking? <laughs> oh, Christ. I didn't know they were in the same bracket. No, uh,
1: that's
0: it. We're going to the finals. <laughs> oh, Wait a minute. We forgot Brad Armstrong. We forgot Billy no, Gunn. No, 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 We're not doing the whole... I took the top
1: four vote getters.
0: <laughs> Holy Christ. <laughs> uh,
1: you son. thought you had a little
0: time here to fuck around. You didn't know. Son of a goat. So it's Okada versus Perfect? yeah <laughs> holy shit Mr. Perfect all the way <laughs>
1: well <laughs> I do like Okada too but like I said earlier I was gonna go for AJ Styles because I liked it better I like Mr. Perfect but I like AJ Styles better so here we go this in the end of the day this was the perfect 5-3-1. Well, You're
0: welcome. Well, I think you and I can also agree on the simple fact that if there's one wrestler in the history of the WWE that deserved a world championship and didn't get it and got screwed over by the McMahons, it's Mr. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, we
1: would absolutely agree with that. I was a Bret Hart guy, and I would have... I would have liked to see Mister Perfect got one of those world titles. Those
0: two guys should have headlined main uh, main event at WrestleMania for the world title. If you had had a Bret Hart versus Mister Perfect WrestleMania main event for the world title, that would have been the greatest main event in the history of WrestleMania. There, I said it.
1: No biases here, folks. <laughs> Mr. Perfect, best dropkick of all time. Guys, you don't if like you, it, kiss our ass.
0: Yeah, and if, if you, you disagree it, with us. You know where to find us. We're all over Twitter right now. You can email us, send it in, let us know what you think. And please keep letting us get your list for the five three one. because we love debating with you. We love putting them in there. Joe, we missed you this week. Hopefully you'll be back for next week's. I mean, your list was horrible this week. It was trash with all those big fat guys that can't throw a drop kick. <laughs> but we love you, brother, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: Later. All right,
0: man. I thought that went well. Ha ha ha.